Well, good morning, church. How is everybody? Is everybody good? good. Yeah. Are you glad to be here? Yeah. Awesome. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to see me this morning. Why don't you tell them that? Awesome. What a, what a joy it is to be with you this morning. Uh, what an honor and so thankful for my friend, uh, Pastor Ronnie Rains. And I tell you what, um, every week I'm in different settings and in different conferences and churches. And one thing I've come to realize is a good pastor is a gift from our great God. And God has blessed this church with an incredible pastor. Can we thank the Lord for pastor and his family and, and the staff. And so thank you, pastor, for having me. Truly grateful. And, and I want to say thank you so much for your partnership with us at the North American Mission Board. You're literally helping us plant churches all over the nation, do compassion ministry through sin relief, and also reach the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, every year the Lord allows me um, to, to speak and share the gospel with over 100,000 young people, uh, young adults, college students, teenagers. And I got good news for you, church. The same gospel that has worked for 2,000 years still works today that God is saving people for his name, fame, and glory. And this morning, we're going to talk about love and God's love for us. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you turn to John chapter 3? John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is right after John chapter 2. Does that help anybody? And uh, yeah, we've, uh, sorry about my voice this morning. We've just kind of had a, a kind of a cold kind of go through our family and and so if you would just pray for, for me this morning and voice as uh, we walk through John chapter 3. And uh, if you have uh, the sheet, the note sheet uh, that you received on the way in, if you'll go ahead and get that out um, and get something to write on, we'll walk through that. As today we talk about how God's love is real love. God's love is real love. And I think in a culture today that's so culturally relevant because our culture is extremely confused about what love is you know in fact even in the English dictionary we just have one word for love and it's love you know so we'll say we love God uh, we'll say we love our family we say we'll love uh, football uh, we'll say we love tacos <laughs> but we just use one word for all of that where in the Bible uh, especially in the Greek language the original testament uh, the original language of the New Testament there's multiple words for love and today we're going to look at the word agape uh, which is a perfect love. It's a love that God has shown towards us, that God's love is real love. In fact, again, in our culture, um, it's so confused, and you can tell when a culture has lost the meaning of a word. If you think about it, even what is said in culture today, love is love. You can tell you don't understand a word when you have to use a word to define the word. See, the Bible says God is love. And in the Bible, not only is love a verb, but love is also a noun. That often when we hear the word love, we think love is a verb. It's action, and that's true. But in the Bible, love is also a noun. It's a person. You can say it like this. Love has a name, and that name is the name above every name. It's the name Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that through God's holy word. Now, I want you to know up front, church, uh, that I didn't grow up in church. In fact, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. Uh, I remember vividly of what it was like to live without Jesus. It's much better with Jesus. Do you agree with that? So I want you to know I get a little excited. I get a little passionate, may even get a little loud at times. But I do want you to know I'm one of those preachers. I welcome amens. I welcome praise the Lord's. 
I welcome hallelujahs. In fact, I'm going to make a deal with you, church. For every amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah here, I'm going to take 30 seconds off the sermon. How about that? (laughs) All right, all right. In John chapter 3, you have a great story of a man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a religious leader of the day. And he's very intrigued by Jesus because Jesus is doing miracles. Uh, Jesus is doing things that no one had ever seen before. In fact, Jesus was teaching the word of God in a way they'd never heard before because not only is Jesus teaching the word of God, Jesus is the word of God. And Nicodemus is in awe of Jesus. Now at this point, Nicodemus isn't a follower of Jesus. He isn't born again. A lot of Bible scholars believe that Nicodemus actually did become a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. But at this point, he's not. And Nicodemus is very intrigued by Jesus and wants to meet Jesus. But Nicodemus is a part of the religious leaders of the day that hated Jesus. It also goes to show you can be very religious and very moral and very lost at the same time. But Nicodemus wants to meet with Jesus, so Nicodemus decides to go meet with Jesus at night so that nobody would see him because it wouldn't be popular for him to be seen with Jesus with all of his boys, all of his crews. So he decided to meet with Jesus at night. So some people call this Nick at night. All right, that's a bad dad joke. And Nicodemus begins to talk to Jesus, and basically he's like, Jesus, uh, I'm paraphrasing the story here, he says, Jesus, uh, obviously... Uh, you're sent from God because you're doing things that no one's ever seen before. And again, this is where Nicodemus misses it because not only is Jesus sent from God, Jesus is God. See, there's a name for Jesus that we love to use during this time of year and it's the name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And as followers of Jesus, that's a name that's relevant for every day of our life all throughout the year. That not only is Jesus sent from God, Jesus is God. In fact, a lot of times people, when they're angry or confused, or maybe even atheists, will say stuff like this. God, if you're real, then just show yourself. God, if you're real, then just come down here. You need to know that's exactly what God did through Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, look to Jesus. If you want to see the face of God, look to the face of Jesus. You want to know the heart of God, look to the heart of Jesus. But Jesus throws Nicodemus a curveball and he goes, well, listen, uh, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And in a sense, he's saying, unless you're born again, you can't be in heaven. Unless you're born again, you won't have a relationship with God. Unless you're born again, you will never experience eternal life. And this confuses Nicodemus because even though Nicodemus is very educated, he's only thinking of physical terms. And so Nicodemus is like, well, how can I be born again? Um, I can't re-enter my mother's womb. I am a big boy. Uh, And this would have been the point if Jesus was on earth today and lived in the South, he would have said, Nicodemus, bless your heart. (laughs) Because then Jesus starts talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's like the wind. He's saying that you must be born of the Spirit, not just born of the water, but you must be born of the spirit and then you get to john three sixteen, and we all know john three sixteen. we can quote john three sixteen. we've seen john three sixteen on t-shirts or coffee mugs if you've been to sporting events you've probably even seen a sign of john three sixteen. 
But really, John 3.16 is beautiful in context because it's Jesus telling Nicodemus how to be born again. Because Christianity is not something you're born into. It's something you have to be reborn into. And it also goes to show a lot of people can quote John 3.16, but they don't have a relationship with the one who actually said John 3.16, Jesus. And so maybe today what you're about to hear is the first time you've ever heard it, but God's going to get a hold of your heart in just a moment. Maybe you're going to have an opportunity to begin to follow Jesus for the first time and have a relationship with him. Maybe today what you're going to hear, you've heard it a thousand times, but maybe today it just hits differently. And you realize that you don't really know Jesus. You know a lot about Jesus, just like Nicodemus knew a lot about Jesus. He didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you know a lot about Jesus, but you've never been saved by Jesus. And an opportunity, in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to begin to truly know Jesus and worship him for the first time. Maybe you're here today and you think you're a Christian because you come to a church building every week or you believe in the big man upstairs. Listen, he's not a big man upstairs. He is holy God and he deserves our worship. So maybe today you think you have a relationship with Jesus and you really don't in just a moment you're going to. Maybe even today you're kind of a foot in both worlds. You know, you, you kind of want to live for the world but also live for God and you're kind of a foot in both worlds. And maybe today you're going to realize that sometimes trying to hang out in the middle means you're not in the middle at all you're actually all the way out and maybe by faith today we can go all in on truly understanding the love of Jesus and how that can change our life but let's kind of walk through that as we talk about how God's love is real love so if you have your Bibles look at John three sixteen now John three sixteen. here's Jesus telling Nicodemus in context how to be born again, and then Jesus says, this is how you are to be born again, John three sixteen. for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son, and church, what's the name of that son? Jesus, so that everyone, turn to your neighbor and say, that means you, tell them that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have, what church? Eternal life. Anybody happy about that? That's a great promise. That's good news. So number one, would you write this down? God showed love by sending his best. God showed love by sending his best. Jesus says this, for God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son. You could say it like this, that God loves you so much, he sent his best for you, his son, Jesus. And when God sent Jesus into the world, Jesus also sent love to the world because God is love. Jesus is God. Therefore, love has a name, and that name is Jesus. So you can say it like this, God so loved the world, he sent love into the world, Jesus. So whoever knows him will be saved and have eternal life. That Jesus is God, and Jesus is love. In culture today, there's so many opinions about who God is. In fact, atheists say there is no God. Agnostics say there might be a God. Humanists say let's remove God. Pornography says sex is God. Greed says money is God. Government says power is God. Pride says I am God. The Bible says Jesus is God. Now we love John 3.16. But a lot of times we'll quote John 3.16 or read John 3.16 and we stop there. But this morning, church, we're going to keep going because the Bible does. 
And to really enjoy John 3.16, you also got to understand John 3.17 and John 3.18. Meaning sometimes the reason we don't enjoy the good news is we don't really understand the bad news. Often the reason grace isn't that amazing to us is we don't think we need it. But John 3.16 is beautiful because of John 3.17 and 3.18 shows us the need for Jesus coming into the world. Look at John 3. 17. Jesus continues on and says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Number two, would you write this down? Jesus did not come to condemn us. Jesus did not come to condemn us. We'll unpack that more in just a moment. We'll look at verse 18. Why did he come? Well, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In church, what's that name again? Jesus. Number three, Jesus came to save us. All right, so here's the three main points, and now we're going to walk through this. That God loved us so much, he sent his best for us, Jesus. And when Jesus came to earth, he did not come to condemn us, he came to save us. That's good news. But to really understand this, we got to understand some bad news. And here's the bad news, church. You know why Jesus didn't come to condemn us? Because we're condemned already. We don't need condemnation. We need salvation. He came to save us. Now, what does that word condemned or condemnation mean? We see it all throughout the Bible. It means this. It means it's kind of like a courtroom setting. We've been accused of a crime. We've been found guilty of that crime. Therefore, we're deserving of the punishment of that crime. Well, you go, well, what are we condemned of? Well, the Bible says we're condemned of sin. The Bible says for the wages, paycheck, what we deserve, the wages of sin is what, church? Death. Death. Has there ever been a moment where you were maybe angry or confused and you're like, God, Give me what I deserve. Turn to your neighbor one last time and say, don't ever do that. Tell them that. Don't ever do that. Why? Because what do we deserve, church? Death. See, we're condemned because we've been accused of sin. We've been found guilty of sin. Therefore, we deserve the punishment of sin. And the punishment of sin is what? Death. We are condemned. We're born condemned. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Why? We're condemned already. We don't need condemnation. We already have it. We need salvation. That's what we needed and desperately needed and continue to need. We need the love of God. We need salvation. And that's why Jesus came. And you go, well, Shane, how did we get into this state of condemnation? Well, to understand that, you have to go back to the beginning of it all. If you get on Ancestry.com, we all end up at Adam and Eve. They are great, 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 many great grandparents. And they had this perfect relationship with God. They were the first humans. And they rebelled against God. And the moment they rebelled against God, the power of sin entered humanity. And when the power of sin entered humanity, now humanity was now separated from its creator. Because sin cannot be in the presence of the holiness perfection of God. And we're now separated from God. And when the power of sin entered humanity, it actually killed something inside of humanity. 
Because the Bible says we are made in the image of God. God is spirit and he made us to be spiritual beings. And when the power of sin entered us, it killed something inside of us, our soul, our spirit. We're more than hands and feet, flesh and blood. We have a soul, a spirit. It's what sets us apart from the rest of creation. So now we were spiritually dead. And there was nothing we could do to fix this spiritual problem. Here's a relevant word for today. Physical solutions never solve spiritual problems. Because at the heart of every problem is a heart problem, and only God can change the heart. So... We need help because we're spiritually dead and dead people are good at being what church? Dead. And you go, well, Shane, so what? That was a long time ago. How does that affect me in Tennessee in 2023? Here's how it affects us. is sin spread like a virus to every person born after Adam and Eve. So you fast forward today. What does that mean to us in here? It means this. We were all born sinners separated from our creator. We were all born spiritually dead. Just like I told the teenagers this morning, that means this. No one in this room has always been a Christian. Have you ever been talking to somebody before and you go, hey, brother, when did you become a Christian? They go, oh, I've always been a Christian. And what they mean by that was ever since they were in their mother's womb, they went to a building that had a steeple on top or a cross on the side. Now, First Baptist, this is an incredible building. But let me ask you this question. Does sitting inside of this church building make you a Christian? Just like sitting inside of McDonald's does not make you a Happy Meal. We understand that, right? <laughs> Buildings don't make Christians. Jesus does. We're born sinners in need of a Savior. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from the 1800s, said it like this. We're born with our backs towards God and our face towards hell. We need salvation. There's something wrong with us. Anybody want to admit that? This morning I'll raise my hand. Anybody want to say, hey, Shane, there's something wrong with me. Anybody want to admit that? Balcony. You know what that is? Sin. How many of you are sitting next to someone? And there's definitely something wrong with that person. It's sin. And we all know it. We're all good at it. There's no holier than thou's in here. There's only sinners in need of a savior. We are all good at it. And we're all good at justifying our sin. Have you ever noticed when other people sin, we become judges? But when we sin, we become defense attorneys? Well, God knows my heart. He does. He says it's evil and needs salvation. You ever notice how we compare sin? I know I ain't perfect. At least I ain't as bad as John is. He's a big sinner. No, no, no. We're all big sinners in need of a Savior. Some of you are looking at me right now. We're going, well, preacher, you don't know me. I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says you should not tell a lie. (laughs) So raise your hand if you've ever told a lie before. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now, sinner. And you know what? Everybody knows there's something wrong with this. Everybody knows there's something wrong with this. Just like I told the teenagers this morning, think about it. You can go into any bookstore. You can go into any secular bookstore. You can go into Barnes & Noble. You know what Barnes & Noble knows? There's something wrong with this. That's why there's a whole section called the what? Self-help section. But another culturally relevant word. Self-help does not solve spiritual problems. You know why self-help doesn't work? Because often the biggest problem with self is self if self is the problem, self can't be the solution. We need someone outside of self. His name is Jesus. And for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, the son of God who has always existed, took a mission trip from heaven to earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind. Now I've shared some bad news. Are you ready for some good news? We're going to spend the rest of our time talking about good news. Listen, friends, we may be good at sinning, 
But Jesus is better at saving. Jesus is a better savior than we are sinner. Can I get a witness up in here today? That Jesus lived the perfect sin-free life that you and I could not live. Everything he did was good and awesome. Caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the handicapped to get up and walk. He walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. Subway has nothing on that, brother. And then he did the greatest act of love ever. Don't ever get over this, friends. No matter how long you've been following Jesus, maybe you're here this morning, you go, well, I've loved Jesus for 50 years. Listen, you never mature past the gospel. You mature in the gospel. Don't ever get over the fact that he took our place on the cross. Because we didn't need condemnation. We need what? Salvation. He did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. When they shoved the crown of thorns on his head, that should have been me. When they spit in his face, that should have been you. When they nailed him to the cross, that should have been us. But our God loved us so much that he took our place on the cross. See, Christmas is not just about the baby Jesus in a cradle. It's also about the full-grown Jesus who was fully God, fully man, taking our place on a cross. He's the perfect sacrifice of sin as a perfect substitute in our place. And he died there and they took his lifeless body off the cross and put it in a borrowed grave. Now church, this next part should make us yell so loudly the whole state of Tennessee hears us. You know why they put the body of Jesus in a borrowed grave? Because he wasn't going to need it long, baby. Because three days later, our Jesus busted out of the grave showing that God the Father had accepted God the Son's sacrifice for behalf. It's the greatest gift there is. The greatest gift you could ever receive during Christmas is the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus because he made the way possible for that to happen. God the Father accepted God the Son's sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus made the way possible for us to be forgiven. Jesus made the way possible for us to be connected to our creator. Jesus made the way possible for us to live out the purpose of our life, which is to know God and enjoy God. Jesus made the way possible for us to have eternal life. See, the tomb is empty, but the throne of God is full of the risen King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. And one day, the trumpet's going to blast, and the angels are going to shout, and Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, hey, when is Jesus coming back? I get all those questions in the last three years. Hey, Shane, do you see 2020? Do you see 2021, 2022, 2023? All the things happening in the world, all the things going on in the Middle East. You think Jesus is about to come back? You think Jesus is about to come back? What chapter of Revelation are we living today? Listen, I don't know, but one thing I do know is he is coming back. And today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. Are you ready? I love what one evangelist said. He said, the angel Gabriel is going to toot and we're going to scoot. That's cool. I like it. But who's the church? Is it buildings? No, no, no. It's people, according to the New Testament, who repent and believe. Because Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. Repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means to have a change of heart, change of mind, where you realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot fix this. I cannot save myself. I cannot change myself. So I'm going to place my faith, my trust in Jesus to do for me what I cannot do for myself. And listen, and it's not about being a good person. We could leave church today and we could go down to the Walmart or wherever and we could go, hey, we're from First Baptist Church and we're taking a survey and we're asking the fine people of Tennessee one question. 
in what people would call Tennessee, even in the Bible Belt. You know what all the people in Tennessee would say? If we were to ask one question, we'd go, hey, we're asking to find people in Tennessee one question. What does it take to get to heaven right here, even in the Bible Belt? You know what the number one answer would be by far? You must be a good what? Person. Please hear me. Good people do not go to heaven. Those who are saved by Jesus do. Because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. He made the way possible. Repentance is saying, I cannot save myself. No amount of self-help will do it. Therefore, I'm going to place my faith in Jesus to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Save me and forgive me and give me eternal life. And the moment I place my trust in Jesus, he places his Holy Spirit in me. The same power that ripped Jesus out of the grave comes to live inside of us. Remember again, God loved you so much he gave you his best himself. You get God. Not only do you get to know God and worship God, you get God living inside of you. And when God comes to live inside of you, it changes everything. You are now forgiven of past, present, future sins. Wrap your mind around that for a moment. That means when Jesus saves you today, he's already factored in your stupidity of tomorrow. How amazing is that grace and love? When the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, your soul your spirit, that was spiritually dead now becomes spiritually alive to never die again. That even when you draw your last breath, who you are goes to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering. How many of you are ready for that day? But listen, eternal life doesn't start one day. Eternal life starts now. You get life now. See, Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, hope lives. Because Jesus lives, peace lives. Because Jesus lives, joy lives. Because Jesus lives, love lives. It has a name, and that name is Jesus. He is real love. He is real love. But I close real quick with this. There's five reasons people will not accept the love of Jesus. There's five reasons and excuses that people give of why they don't surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. There's five excuses why people refuse to accept the real love that God is willing to give them. And I close with this. I want you to write these down. Reason number one, people say this, Jesus can't forgive me. Jesus can't forgive me. And I'm here to tell you today, yes, he can. You go, Shane, you don't know what I've done. You're right. I don't know what you've done. And you don't know what I've done. But I know what Jesus has done. It's enough for you. It's enough for you. The cross and resurrection is enough for you. He can. You go, well, Shane, my sin is big. Mine too. But the love of Jesus is bigger. You go, Shane, my sin is deep. Mine too. But the love of Jesus is deeper. He can forgive you. Number two, people say, I'll wait till later. I'll wait till later. A lot of young people say that. I mentioned earlier, I get to travel all over the nation, speak to hundreds of thousands of young people every year. And so people will say, well, I'll wait till later when I get older or when I get married or when I have kids or when I get the job I want or when I, I just got to focus on this right now and I'll start following Jesus later. I'll start really walking with him later. I'll start worshiping later. I'll get saved later. I'll, I'll start a relationship with God later. Listen, you're not guaranteed later. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed to drive home. And I'm not trying to scare you. I just want to tell you the truth. Even young people go, well, when I get older, you're not guaranteed older. Every year I preach the funerals of teenagers and college students that thought they had later. You don't have later. Here's what I know. As long as there's life and breath in your lungs, you have an opportunity to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. But the moment that breath stops, it's too late for all eternity. Number three, excuse people go, will just say, well, I just want to stay in the middle. I just hang in the middle. Listen, Shane, I leave all the religious stuff to my wife or kids. Uh, I leave all the spiritual stuff to my parents. 
I, I leave all the spiritual stuff, you know, to, to my husband. I leave all the spiritual stuff, you know, uh, to my kids and let them do that. I just hang in the middle. Listen, Shane, I'm no Satan worshiper, but I don't want to be any odd for God Jesus freak. I just hang in the middle. Can I lovingly tell you this? There is no middle. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus himself says this. You're either with me or what? Against me. One day you will draw your last breath and you'll stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And here's what I promise you. He will not do this. He will not go, hey, you hung in the middle. You are the best middle person I've ever seen. No. You'll either hear well done, good and faithful servant. That's for those who knew Jesus and had a relationship with him and the spirit of God lived inside of them. Or you'll hear the most nightmare statement that will ring in your ears for all eternity when he says this, depart from me, I never knew you. And you spend all eternity separated from the goodness of God in a literal place called hell. There's only two kind of people in the world. Right now there's currently eight billion people on the planet today and yet only two kinds. Those that know Jesus and are on their way to heaven or those who don't know Jesus and are on their way to hell. But as long as you have life and breath in your lungs, it doesn't have to be that way for you. You can confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Number four excuse people give. They'll say, I just want to party in hell. I just want to party with the devil. That, that's what I said. It sounded really dumb, but that's what I said. I mentioned earlier I didn't get uh, saved until I was 21. I always say this, the first 21 years of my life, I was building my testimony. You know what I mean? In high school and college, my trinity was not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My trinity were sports. I was an athlete, partying and chasing girls. And as embarrassing as it is, there'd be times where my friends and I, we'd be drunk and high. And we would say stupid stuff like this. I don't care if I'm going to hell. All my friends are going to be there. We're going to party. We're going to party with the devil. That's where all my friends are going to be. I don't care if I go to hell. How dumb were we? Because even Jesus tells a story in Luke about a guy who is in hell and he's under so much torment, he's pleading for one drop of water to be placed on his tongue. That doesn't sound like a party. You know where the party's gonna be? In heaven, around the throne of God. When we get to see Jesus face to face where there is no more crying, there is no more suffering, there is no more wars, there is no more handicapped parking spaces, there's only the goodness of God. That's where the party's gonna be. Number five excuse people give is they'll say, Jesus can't change me. He could never change me. He can never save me. I'm here to tell you, yes, he can. And you go, Shane, listen, I've been the same way my whole life. I've tried so many other things. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. I've tried this. And it's always the same. He can't change me. Yes, he can. Because he is God. And there's nothing impossible for God. This is what I believe about Jesus. You're not too lost for Jesus to find. You're not too dirty for Jesus to cleanse. You're not too broken for Jesus to fix. You're not too wounded for Jesus to heal. You're not too far gone for Jesus to reach. You're not too guilty for Jesus to forgive. And you're not too sinful for Jesus to save. That's what I believe. God's love is real love. And maybe today, this is the first time you've ever heard this. And you go, Shane, I believe that. I want that in my life. Well, now's your time. Maybe this is the thousandth time you've heard it 
and it just hit differently today and you go I don't know Jesus I know a lot about Jesus I can even quote John three sixteen, but I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus well now's your time maybe you're here today and you go Shane I've just been hanging out in the middle and I realize being in the middle is all the way out and today by faith I want to go all in and know Jesus well now's your time Maybe you're here and you go, Shane, I've just done a bunch of religious activity, just kind of like Nicodemus. You know, I thought I was a good person. I go to church. I do a bunch of religious stuff. I give, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now's your time. Maybe you're here today and you go, well, Shane, I don't know. I don't know if God lives inside of me. Let me ask you this. How can a God so big and a God so powerful speak everything into existence, overcome the grave? How can that same God live inside a little old me and you? And we not know if he's there or not and be radically changed by him. So maybe today you not knowing is really you do know you don't belong to him. But today you can. As long as there's life and breath in your lungs, you have an opportunity to confess him as Lord and Savior. And we want to give you that opportunity. More than anything, we don't want you to walk out of here the same that you walked in. We want you to know Jesus. And if he's calling you today to begin a relationship with him, just say yes. And we're going to trust the Bible. So if you would, would you just bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to ask our pastors and staff to just make themselves available up front. And here's what I'm doing. I'm just asking you to trust the Bible. The Apostle Paul said this in the book of Romans in chapter 10, verse 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're just going to trust the Bible today. So if you say, Shane, that's me. Today's the day. Whether it's the first time you've heard this, a thousandth, whatever, middle, and you need to go all in, and you want assurance today. If you go, Shane, that's me. I need to be forgiven of sin. I need to start this relationship with Jesus. I need to be born again. I need a brand new start. The greatest gift I could receive during Christmas is salvation, and today I want to receive that. If that's you, And what I want you to do right now is to trust in Jesus. And we're going to trust that verse. So if that's you right now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, by faith, would you open your heart and your life to Jesus? Now listen, there's no magic in praying a prayer. You could do that every day and not know Jesus. What matters is you believe it in your heart. But we are going to confess with our mouth because that's what the Bible says. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. So we are going to confess with our mouth, and I'm going to help you do that. And you can just confess with me, either quietly or out loud. Now listen, you're not confessing to me. I'm a nobody. You're just confessing with me to the risen Lord, but I want to help you. So if that's you today, and you go, Shane, today's the day I'll begin a relationship with Jesus. Today's the day I need to be forgiven of sin. Today's the day that I truly start a relationship with him and know him and worship him. Today's the day that I need a brand new start and to receive this gift of salvation, eternal life. Then right now, by faith, would you just confess this with me, either quietly or out loud? Would you just pray this with me right now, right where you are, down here in the balcony online, just confess this with me. Just say, God, pray that with me. Just say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. But today, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is Lord I believe he is alive. So God, I repent of my sin. Would you come live inside of me? Forgive me of sin. 
Change me from the inside out. I want to know you. I want to worship you. I want to follow you. Thank you for saving me this morning. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. You know, the Bible says in Luke 15, the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. And I believe this morning in this room and possibly online that multiple people repented and placed their faith in Jesus. So that means there's a party going on in heaven right now because of what God's doing in this room. And I just want to join that celebration. Also, Jesus died boldly and publicly for us. So it's time for us to live boldly and publicly for him. So if you just confess with me and you truly meant it with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you just confess with me and pray to me and you truly meant it in this room where I can see you right now, would you just boldly put your hand in the air, lock out your elbow, put it up high, and by doing that, you're saying, I confess with you. I see that. I see one hand over there. I see two over there, three, four, five. Over here, six, seven, eight in this section. Yeah, see that in the back, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 over here in this section over here. All right, 13 over here. I see that up in the balcony over here, in the balcony over here, up here, up there, in the balcony, up there, all right. In the balcony, I think I counted 14 hands and I might've missed some, so you're not by yourself. If you raised your hand or you know you needed to right now, would you just look up at me? Just look up at me. And I wanna say this, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. In the back, welcome to the God. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Now here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. As you can see, people are already cheering for you. People are already cheering for you. Let me say this. If you're looking up at me and you confess with me and pray with me, or you know you need to, listen, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed about. This is the moment that we do this. It's so people can meet Jesus. This is the whole reason we do this. It's so people can meet Jesus. And so there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed about. All we're going to do is celebrate. So if you prayed with me and you confessed with me and you truly meant it in this room, down lower in the balcony, right now when no one else is looking around, would you just stand up? Just stand up. Stand up, my brothers. Go ahead. Stand up. Stand up. Go ahead. Stand up in the back. If you confess with me, stand up. Go ahead. Go ahead. In the balcony, stand up. I see you, brother. I see you. Hey, now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're standing with no one else looking around, would you just tell the person next to you, excuse me, and would you come stand by the pastor? All he's going to do is pray with you. Give you some next step. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just come stand by the pastor. Come on. Come on, my sisters. Come on down in the balcony. Come on. Come on. Come on. As they're coming, hey, let's celebrate and encourage our new brothers and sisters in the Christ as they come down. Come on as they're coming. Yeah, come on. Just tell the person, excuse me, we'll wait on you in the balcony. We'll wait on you. We'll wait on you. Yeah, let's go. Come on. As they're coming. If you need to come, come. Listen, if you prayed and you didn't come, come on. Hey, maybe you didn't pray and God's speaking to you right now. And you go, God's speaking to you. And you go, I didn't confess. I didn't pray, but God's speaking to me. He's talking to me. You can just come. We'll pray with you down here. Just come. Now, church, let's celebrate those who have come this morning. Let's celebrate the victory of Jesus. Now, as the pastor and staff encourage our new friends, our new brothers and sisters in the faith, listen, the altar call is never closed. The altar call is never closed. We're going to sing one more. And during this time, the altar call is over. If you need to come and go, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to take that bold step just like these did. Then you come, we'll be ready for you. If you're here and you go, Shane, I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. Just like I saw our friends get baptized this morning. I need to be baptized. Talk to somebody about that. You can come. If you just need prayer, you can come. 
If you need to recommit your life, you can come. Maybe you go, man, Shane, I think God's called me to ministry. I want to give my life away to this love of God. Then you come. If you need to join this great church, you see this is a Bible-preaching, gospel-believing church. And if you need to be a part of this church and join this church, you can come. Whatever it is, just say yes. I'm going to pray and say, man, the moment I do, you come and be faithful this morning and respond to how God's calling you. God, we thank you that you are mighty to save. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for those who have responded this morning by faith and obedience. And God, I pray that others would come. Father, if you're calling others, God, would they just be obedient this morning? And would you get the glory through it all? God, you are love. You are holy. You are amazing. You are God. And may we never get over the fact we get to call the creator of everything, Father. We pray this through the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Would you come and be obedient this morning to what God's calling you to? Come on.